Time travel. It'll turn your brain into spaghetti if you let it. Best not to think about it. Best just to get on with the job in hand. Welcome to the first official episode of Zero Hour Strikes, the show that covers DC's 1994 crossover event, Zero Hour Crisis in Time. Every issue, every tie-in, every zero issue, I'm Siskoid. I'm Bass. And in this episode, we take a look at the Zero Hour prologue from Showcase 94, numbers 8 through 10, really 8 through 9. Uh, July to September 1994, and a little more besides. This is the sequel to Invasion, yeah. the first strike. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at the issues, and I feel like I knew a lot more about what was happening in 1989 DC Universe. Like, even today. It's like, what's going on in, the, in 89? I know exactly. What's going on in 94? Where are the characters at? I'm not as strong on... I, I'm not sure which year that's supposed to be, sort of thing. Well, when when I saw 1994, and everything starts out in 94... I'm thinking, all right, where was I in 94? Right, where where were we in 94? And this was my first year of university. Okay. So it was my last. It was your last. And <laughs> and and I'm I'm thinking, okay, what what's going on in the superhero everything and I had no idea. I had no idea what was going on. I I know I I given up on Marvel because it was yeah. it was the 90s. Yeah. But DC I kept strong with DC, so yeah. I I have a lot of these issues already, you know, most of these issues already. A lot of stuff had to do with uh, Nightfall. In my recollection. Okay. Uh, the death uh, of Superman, Nightfall, yeah. that's early 90s yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and uh, all I remember is that Bane was this new guy and he, he broke Batman's back. That's basically all I knew. That's where I'm at. I don't know <laughs> anything else. Well, we'll catch up with each of these series yeah. as they come up, even though they'll be in the middle of a crossover and a timey-wimey crossover. Yeah, it's well. very timey-wimey. Yep. And I think that's one of the reasons we wanted to do this one. because. Yeah. I like time travel and time anomalies and stuff. I love it also. It's a genre that I enjoy. So even though a lot of people are down on Zero Hour, I expect to still like a lot of it. You know what? When we look back at stuff, it's it's a lot more fun. Possibly we'll enjoy it more than when it actually came out originally. So that's that's what happened with Invasion. I You read it, but I, I didn't know anything. And I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. For, Is it the for same the for this? I think it's going to I read it before and I'm rereading it again. Yeah, I didn't read anything. I do have a trade paperback of Zero Hour and it's like, uh, I know the punchline. (laughs) That's basically (laughs) all I know. I know what happens in the punchline. Okay. But rest of it, I did not read any of the tie-ins. I didn't read the whole thing. I just knew a little bit. Okay. And I'm not even sure what the punchline is supposed to be that you're referring to. So I'm not going to say anything as much for myself, (laughs) for listeners. Or for you, for that matter, if, let's say, we don't think of the same punchline, yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. ruin one. You know, today we're going to talk about the Showcase 94 issues. Yeah. And um, the, the first two are prologue, and then the third one, as we'll see, takes place between issue one and zero. Because zero hour is going to go four, three, two, one, oh, it's a countdown. It's a countdown. DC never recycles anything. Uh, it's a <laughs> countdown to zero. Uh, so this one, it's, it's going to be between one and zero. So it'll give us a little taste yeah. of what is to come. What are the stakes ultimately? And of course, this is a, how old is this? It's a 25 year old comic. So, yeah. you know, whatever. It's very 90s. From what I've is read, it? it's, well, I well, think the, so. the showcase stuff, I kind of agree. It's very nice in mm-hmm. the look, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the whole, how they draw. 
Everything is very 90. Definitely. Uh, so, but before the showcase story comes out, uh, there was actually a teaser in Team Titans... Team Titans. Yeah, Team Titans. Number 20. Uh, Team Titans is maybe uh, one of the problems of, in the DCU history at this point because they were originally introduced in Armageddon 2001 uh, annual as a future version of the Teen Titans or the yeah. New Titans. They were brought to the present so there could be more Titan Titans comics on the stands. Basically <laughs> the reason. Uh, but they're a temporal anomaly. They come from a future that never happened. So the last two pages of issue 20, there's a sequence featuring Monarch, himself a temporal anomaly, himself one of the sins committed by Armageddon 2001, musing about how he's responsible for displacing the team through time so they could stop Lord Chaos, the villain from that annual. And before, just before he becomes a threat, basically, a Terminator. But with the secret goal of creating, I mean, Monarch's secret goal of creating time ripples that would destroy history itself. On that final page, Monarch seems to ascend to another plane of existence, I guess, as he is erased from history, or his timeline is, and he's pleased. And his last line is, the countdown to zero hour has begun. So this happens like months before yeah. the prologue, even. It's just like suddenly Monarch is revealed as the big bad in Team Titans all along because they came out of Armageddon 2001. He came out of Armageddon 2001. And it's like Zero Hour is just trying to fix everything that went wrong in Armageddon 2001. <laughs> well, is it that? Is, I, I feel like it's part of... It's not the only problem Okay, that the DC Universe has as far as uh, historical... Yeah. You know, after Crisis, there were still anomalies. Hawkworld... Replacing Hawkman after like a couple of years of normal Hawkman. Yeah. So there's, suddenly there's like a, uh, another glitch in continuity. That was one. Uh, the Legion series by this point is what well, we saw when we covered yeah. Valor. That it's screwed up. It, the, yeah. it doesn't actually make sense. Yeah. Uh, I think erasing Superboy and Supergirl from the Legion's history has caused ripples. Already been a little reboot uh, in Legion where they erased. Superboy and Supergirl, and made it Ken Shakespeare and Andromeda, or Loyal yeah. Gand. There's already been post-crisis retcons. And then you get to Armageddon 2001, which is a time travel series. I didn't read that, by the way. The context for it, because you kind of need it for this. There, there's there's a whole <laughs> podcast on this, right? Uh, there is. There so is. I'll, I'll listen to that. Somebody's doing that. But yeah. basically, it was a series of annuals with, <clears throat> with two... Uh, bookends. And the story was that in the future, at some point in the future, one of the superheroes that we know, a mystery, goes bad, becomes monarch, uh, and with his battle suit kills all the other heroes and becomes a tyrant over Earth. Okay. One man decides to, <laughs> to stop this and he's doing time travel experiments. He becomes Wave Rider. Yeah. So that's a character that we'll see here. And Wave Rider has temporal powers, can go back in time, and when he touches someone, he can see their future. Unfold. Okay. Although it turns out when he touches, you know, there are four Superman annuals, or three maybe at this point, and he has to touch Superman a number of times, and each time he touches him, he sees a different future, so let's say his powers aren't exactly trustworthy. Okay. You know, but he's, he's trying to see, okay, well, I'll touch Batman. Does he become Monarch? There's this whole alternate future. No, he doesn't become Monarch. You know, he does that to everybody who has an annual. And at the end, there's a big fight where, you know, the problem with, that's very famous, but the problem with the whole Monarch storyline is that it was supposed to be Captain Adam was going to be Turncoat. Had the similar powers, authoritarian, and yeah. you've got this military guy from the 60s, maybe, you know? Makes sense, yeah. And you've also got that he's got blue eyes. So that's supposed to be a clue 
only heroes with blue eyes, right? Yeah. Uh, but then at the last second, there was a spoiler uh, that it was Captain Adam. I guess it was a phone line at the time. You could call that phone line and get <laughs> rumors or news. And it was leaked on there. And then suddenly everybody knew about it. Well, everybody. I don't know. It's not pre-internet, but it's still not. You know, you have to be in the right, like the right. 15 people knew about it. <laughs> Too many people knew about it, okay. apparently. It spread. And so DC panicked and, uh, decided As DC to change would. It. Yes. And they decided to change it. And all of a sudden, Monarch has brown eyes. And it turns out he's, well, who's disposable? Who can we get rid of? Who, whose series is ending anyway? And they decided it would be Hank Hall Hawk from Hawk and Dove. So he kills Dove and suddenly he's a villain. And suddenly he's this, this character that, like, Hawk is just, the way he was portrayed, he was like a football jock, yeah. kind of a meathead to yeah. Dove's more reasoned approach. So it made no sense. So nobody was ever happy with this. They actually addressed this. We're going to talk about it later. Yeah, exactly. They actually addressed this. So because now we need to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> we need to fix the whole monarch issue. We need to fix all the timeline shenanigans that have happened that Crisis on Infinite Earths was supposed to fix. And it did not. Uh, they just created more. And now we're going to try to fix it, retcon it, explain it away. Why does this make sense? Let's try to make it make sense. <laughs> we'll see how well they do. It's yeah. going to take the whole series before it's actually completely resolved. But we get some answers in this showcase prologue. How well they do. Let's see how well we do. <laughs> I was um, frequently confused. Yeah. And it's not long stories. And I think that's part of the problem. You know, they're bunched up. Okay. Showcase has many yeah. tales, right? It's like there's a ventriloquist story and yeah. there's uh, whoever else. Different characters have different strips in there. A bit of a Legion story. It's a showcase. Yeah, it's a showcase. Yeah. And there's fewer pages. And sometimes I think like the art is like bunched up, especially the yeah. third one. You know, there's there's a like, lot of stuff. A lot yeah. of panels, a lot of things to render in, yeah. in exposition. And it's just, what's happening exactly? Who are these characters? If you're not in 1994 reading a lot of DC Comics, <laughs> it's a little, uh, okay, where were we? Who are these guys again? Was this actually Rip Hunter? Because now yeah. Rip Hunter in my mind is the guy in Booster Gold. Yeah. Uh, so, but there was a point where he looked like a cyborg. <laughs> yeah. There was a point he was cable. Yeah. <laughs> basically, he basically was cable. cable. I remember the linear men. Yeah. Because I read a lot of Superman comics and they were in there, but that, this linear man was actually Rip Hunter? Is like, is he? Uh, so, anyway, <laughs> maybe I'm confused at times. Cyborg Rip Hunter isn't the Rip Hunter... Well, I, anyway. He is, and then he's not because uh, timeline changes, right? Exactly. This exactly. is going to fix time. This is going to oh. fix DC history once and for all, Bess. Let's, let's, once and for all. I can't all. wait for all the histories of all the universes to be, to fixed. be fixed. Yes. There's going to be... In a four-issue campaign. Right. It's the, it's, um, <laughs> if Crisis was the meal, zero hour is the burp. <laughs> you know, just after you've had that meal, it's like, oh, it's not settling too well. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> oh, okay, now, <laughs> now, now I feel, now I feel better. I have digested my meal. <laughs> so it takes the universe like five years, yeah. our time, to digest the well, crisis. Makes, makes sense. Right. Makes sense. In, in terms of, yeah, you know, for the superheroes, it's like, what, two weeks? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's probably two weeks later. Oh, my God. <laughs> this burp analogy is delicious. Mm, well, just make sure you ate the right thing so that the burp is good to taste. Okay. <laughs> so, really, the Team Titans thing. I mean, do we need to fix the Team Titans? No. Ma maybe. I don't know. I think we need to forget Team Titans. Well, I think sort of have. Yeah, well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Them and, and the Blasters. They're all we, gone. We forget it. Of course, we're several 
reboots later, but, yeah. uh, you know, let, let, imagine you're in 1994 right now. Uh, and let's look at that first issue, uh, the first prologue chapter. Showcase 94, number eight. Eight and nine have the, the same title, really. It's called Some Zero. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's written by Dan Jurgens with art by Frank Fosco and Ken Branch. The first chapter goes like this, at Vanishing Point, that's where the Linear Men live. Armageddon 2001's hero Wave Rider, uh, now serving as one of the Linear Men, is looking at images of his original timeline, destroyed when he came back to uncover Monarch's true identity, thereby changing it. So they do acknowledge that uh, he was supposed to be somebody, but then his interference made Monarch be somebody else. Yeah. The version of Rip Hunter with the cybernetic eye who was in charge of the Linear Men back then, scolds him for having destroyed an entire timeline without a second thought. They're interrupted by a temporal alarm from 1994. Seems their monitors have spotted Monarch, who is toying with temporal technology. Not sure how this connects to the Team Titans version of Monarch, uh, or if it's just that the timeline has already changed, so it's a different Monarch, or maybe the other Monarch is from... The future. The one in Team Titans seems to say, from my point of view, the Team Titans have just gone back in time. And he's sort of reaping the rewards of that. So this is an earlier monarch. Okay, let's let's say that's it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he's plotting to steal time tech from the linear men. And when Hunter and Wave Rider show up in 1984, he ambushes them, even though they're moving between seconds. Wave Rider touches him to see his past and future, and he's terrified by what he sees there. He says, you're more than we knew. And Monarch leaves uh, with the unconscious linear men. He beats them up and yeah. they disappear together. So that's the first chapter. Thoughts? <laughs> It feels like a preface to something's going to happen. And, of course, ends with that, Ew, you're more than we thought you thought you ever been and knew what we were going to see. We were like, okay, we just need some more information here. Right. Uh, it does pay off in the next chapter. They it, don't, it's not like, oh, it, we'll it see it in zero hour number zero. But we'll have to wait a little bit. Jurgens writes this, and he also is the writer on Zero Hour, so it's a direct tie-in. He, okay. he knows what he's doing here. Yeah, I'm happy for the Armageddon 2001 synopsis. <laughs> um, That's basically it, right? Yeah, it's basically, they're saying, you know that event from three years ago, because yeah. that was 1991? Well, it's important again. We're going to fix it. We've heard your complaints. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for fan service. <laughs> And there's also the notion that Hawk uh, gets information from somewhere, because he's building tech we shouldn't be able to yeah. do. And it uh, honestly doesn't feel like Hawk. No. Because he's in this thing where he has like all types of Iron Man type yeah. stuff. And you know, we'll talk about the costume later. But who needs like a sh shielded back of head that you can't look... Anyways. Suntarans. Oh, okay. Well. It's a Doctor Who joke, but... Um, you know, they <laughs> Their weak spot in the back of the head. Well, this costume was just horrible. And I think that's why in the second issue... Ah, we got to undo the monarch Well, exactly. Look. That's that's okay. how I, I figured it. Well, that's what I figured, but... but I think you're, you're right to say it's not Hawk in the sense that I think Hawk died. It doesn't feel like Hawk. In Armageddon 2001, Dove dies and Hawk dies. He's replaced, you know, by a temporal entity that he becomes. The character we knew as Hawk no longer exists after that. Monarch is its own thing. Yeah. And it's like he's an entity that just like, oh, there's a vessel. There's a body I can jump into and, and just become. And he does because he was supposed to be Captain Adam. And then some, suddenly he's Hawk, you know, just like. He's a temporal anomaly just looking for a vessel, is, is how I, I kind of describe him at this point. Well, let's look at issue nine. In this one, uh, Monarch has Rip Hunter and Wave Rider caught in a time bubble created mm -hmm. by a crude time travel device that he's made uh, that just bounces them, all three of them, willy-nilly through time. 
a chance to draw dinosaurs, you know. Uh, Monarch <laughs> gives them an ultimatum. Give me your time travel tech so we can get this trip under control, or else we're going to wind up damaging history. They refuse, and Wave Rider tries to blow Monarch's armor circuits by throwing all his power into it, but the suit is built to siphon off that power. What actually happens is that Monarch manages to use Wave Rider's powers to figure out why he's become so smart, and how to restore the empire he lost in the destroyed timeline. Apparently, when Dove died at Monarch's hands, Hank was given her powers, including the greater intellect. Now he's more than Hawk and Dove. He's evolved into a cross between the Lords of Chaos and Order, who birthed Hawk and Dove. Yeah. Uh, and he refashions himself as a character called Extant. He steals Wave Rider's uh, time cuff, which is linear man technology, and he's off into the time stream to wreak havoc. History has already changed, according to Rip, as the events of that day uh, showed Monarch was killed in battle. So in the original timeline, I guess Wave Rider and Rip yeah. kill him. Yeah. And so Wave Rider says, the last line is, We stand on the verge. Of a true crisis. Oh, that's great. You, you, you don't say that word lightly in the DCU. No, no. I'm, I was surprised that crisis wasn't written in that crisis <laughs> font like <laughs> no. they do now. Yeah, yeah. Or they did with any other crisis, but... You know that you know you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that, yeah, big, yeah. that big blocky one with. Yeah. Usually it's transparent, and you see Earth. Yeah. Running through it. You know, the crisis. Hmm. This is the retcon. It's this is the this is why Monarch makes sense. Thing is, with that uh, showcase issue, you have this other comic in there, Black Condor comic, right? Uh, that where features Kestrel. That features Kestrel. Who's a Hawk and Dove villain, and he makes references to the. <sighs> it felt very chaotic. All of a sudden, you have this extent person who's this combination of uh, chaos and order and uh, above all of that. And, and in that same comic, you are, I don't know if it's the other comic, but we, you have this comic book where you have extent or the, the, you know, the dark hawk, uh, which is also a, a, an agent of chaos. Are these things linked for some odd reason? How does that work? And if there is a being of, you know, chaos and order, why aren't the Lords of Chaos and Lords of Order just going, hey, what's going on here? I don't know. And also, if you are both chaos and order, you should be sort of neutral. I'm thinking. So what is going to be Extant's goal? Because if Extant, Extant just wants to rewrite reality, I guess. Maybe find balance where right now there are pockets of order. Stuff that makes sense. Yeah. And it pockets of disorder, chaos. The stuff that doesn't make sense because history's broken. Yeah. And he wants to level it down. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Maybe he wants beige everywhere. He just wants <laughs> Very beige. neutral colors. Yeah, he wants taupe everywhere. And then he dresses in red and black. I do not understand what's going on. And I'm confused off the bat. So okay. I guess that's a good thing. Is it? Well, yeah. It means yeah. you're intrigued. It means I'm gonna have, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find stuff out. It's gonna be fine. I'm gonna yeah. learn as we go. We're gonna need to, to get explanations out of this. Extent's, uh, costume is a lot 90s er. Mm hmm. I know. He has, he has the, the syllable X in it. Oh, so that's very 90s. And extent means, I, I looked it up just to make sure well, yeah. what it did, did mean. It means still in existence. Oh, well. Surviving something that is extant has survived and still exists. It makes sense. It's not just a throwaway word, even though it sounds it's very nineties as a name. It's very, very, very just 90s. like sounds like a random open the dictionary kind of cool. I'll call him Bishop, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, <laughs> makes no sense. But this one makes sense. I think yeah. it makes sense for he's a survivor of a destroyed timeline. Yeah, 
he's, he's sort of setting himself up to be the only survivor of this timeline once he wipes it out. So uh, Extant is, is fine. It's a good look. Yeah, for I mean, it's a striking look. It's a striking look. Yeah. We have it's better than Monarch. Okay, well here here's your uh, well here's yeah. your chance. To Monarch move. makes no sense as a costume. Well, it's more like a power armor type thing. And as a power armor, I'm thinking, eh, how does one lift? How does one look up mm. with this metal thing in the back of your yeah, head? Because it's, it's, it's a, it looks like the, the, a back piece that comes up from yeah. the belt all the way. Higher and it looks like a turtle shell, and it's weird. We never see him from the back. I well, yeah, on the from the side of the back, kind of the side. I don't understand how this thing works. Maybe I'm just used to all these movies now that try to you know make the costumes look not like only yeah. well look like armor, but also make the costumes part of the power set. It seems like everything has a purpose on a costume. That's not really true while, when we're reading comics, right? In comics, costumes are costumes. Nobody cares. In, in movies, they try to... Uh, TV and movies, they try to make yeah. them functional. Yeah, they need to be functional. They need to... Because that's how things work in our reality. Comic right. book reality, all over story. But now I'm looking at this power armor and I'm thinking, why, where... It's very bulky. It's yeah. It's it, just a big clump. I never felt that it made sense, even when it was supposed to be Captain Adam. Captain Adam is already made of metal. He's super powerful. He does not need the, a bulky power armor except to hide his identity. And I, I guess Monarch was paranoid that somebody would go back in time and stop him, and that's the reason he hides his identity in the future. Probably, maybe I don't know, but. Um, don't make too much sense there. <laughs> no. I mean, it, it was just a way to say, well, you see this character, he's so bulky, he could have been a woman. Could have been anybody. And that's why, yeah. that you know, that's why they made him that way. But then afterwards, that story's done. And we're stuck with this character that, I mean, that's he, wearing something that's not, that he doesn't need. That suit slash costume makes Rocket Red look good. It's, it's just horrible. <laughs> it's non-functional. You're right. It's, it's in the it's in the Rocket Red range. I mean, I mean as far as bulk. Yeah. The first one. I mean, the King the one. Conqueror wouldn't. Just one of those weird. Well, King the Conqueror wore some sort of oh yeah blouse. Hard. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> a blousey sleeves. Ugly as hell, but because uh, <laughs> that's the kind of feel I have with you know Monarch mm. and this time travel tyrant. Because yeah, Marvel does like this though. Yeah. King, uh, Rama Tut. Uh, there's like a number of Immortus. Yeah. There are a number of characters that are all the same character in different yeah. timelines, kind of thing. And they're all time tyrants. And this is this is our time tyrant. <laughs> and uh, I just, you know, yeah. I guess dress for the part, then he becomes extent. Yeah. So you like him better as extent? Well, extent. 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 I, I say extent, okay. but I don't know. To what extent I, is that the correct pronunciation? <laughs> I have no idea. Extent. But, but I, yes, I do. He does seem more, I don't know, menacing. The costume is a costume. It's not a power armor. Mm-hmm. When you have a power armor, it has to be functional. All the robot suits need to be functional yeah. or doing something. There's uh, sort of shades of it because the the straps that go to the middle look like mechanical, as if he's wearing like yeah. as if that's like a control device in the middle there. Yeah, yeah. But um, the rest of it looks like yeah, a costume. No, it's a big cape. Yeah, uh, full mask. Yeah, clawy kind of. Yeah, there's things. a lot of claws. Yeah, well, it's the '90s. It has to be spikes and claws. <laughs> right. It has to feel like it's a bit of Wolverine and a bit of. Uh, <laughs> it has to of, feel like the costume has teeth. Yeah, it's a bit of Cable, a bit of Deadpool, a bit. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, just a bit of everything. And then the giant cape. <laughs> <laughs> to say it's still yeah. DC, still a DC. Yeah, universe. big red cape equals DC. Yeah, purple yeah. in this case. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now he looks like well. Now he looks like Hawk. Actually, yeah. You know, Hawk is like 
it's like these feathers. It's not really yeah. a full cape, but they go up high and then back down, which this cape does. Yeah. And he's no longer in the armor, so he looks like he's yeah, he's know, just this muscular muscular character. Yeah, exactly. So he looks like he looks like he used to yeah. more. And even the red, because he was red and white, so yeah. now he's evil. It's red and black. Red and black. You know, it makes actually makes more sense on from a design point of view. That oh yeah. This is what Hawk would have become if he'd become a villain, as opposed to Monarch, which is what Captain Adam apparently yeah, became as a villain. Whoever. The top. I don't know. I'm the trying top. to thinking of somebody. The top. He survived and became Monarch. <laughs> You can hire us, DC. We'll make Rebirth good again. Okay, so... Uh, but, but yeah. We'll get you on top. There we go. <laughs> that was the joke to be done. So at the end of this, we're due for a crisis. The linear men are alerted. We have the villain of the piece. The pieces are set. And so we don't need to see any more house ads and whatever with Monarch on them. Because yeah. that was three years ago. We don't want to do that again. Except we want to use the same character, but I think Dan Jurgens agreed with uh, us that... Monarch looks stupid. If you rebirth Monarch into something else, he's still the same character. He might have different goals. He's the same while being different. So we kind of like that. Good luck, Extant. Unfortunately, we've seen a lot more of Monarch since then yeah. than we have Extant. So we'll see how this all turns out. Issue 10 of Showcase is called... Uh, the the story is called Deja Views by Mike McAvaney. I know him as the um, Reboot Legion's editor. Okay. Uh, but he's writing this story with uh, art by Jason Armstrong and Stan Walk. Uh, now, this happens, like I said, it happens between issue one and issue zero towards the end. So it's very much like a, a part of the end chapter. We just didn't want to do an episode just on that at the proper point. So we're time traveling. See, yeah. The show is time traveling. Very timey-wimey. Um, so in this one, uh, which has nothing to do with the first two chapters... Uh, several time-themed villains are trying to rob the Time Institute in upstate New York. We've got Kronos, mm -hmm. who's changed back to his old costume since uh, Invasion. We've got the Time Commander, mm -hmm. who was a Brave and the Bold villain. Uh, he was in the first Brave and the Bold Batman yeah. team-up. And he's in... He's uh, been on the show, right? Oh, yeah. He's been yeah. on the show. Clock King. Yeah. One of my the, favorites. One of the goofy uh, Injustice League yeah. villains. Uh, he started out as a Green Arrow villain. And Calendar Man, who is a C-list Batman villain. Yeah. C-list, low enough. And what exactly does Calendar Man do? I think he, he commits crimes based on dates. Yeah. <laughs> and also he throws like razor-sharp calendar yeah. pages. And stuff. Throws paper at people. <laughs> and they want the synchro suit. Yeah. That's what they want from this facility. See, that thing. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let go, you. I will, no, no, go, go ahead. That, the synchro suit? That kind of stuck with me. I was like, ooh, we have a sync. What's a synchro suit? I'm not sure what a synchro suit is. I've got theories. Uh, but not everyone remembers their mission that way. Um, there are small discrepancies building up. It's like, we, we timed it for the, the guard should be here at such and such a time. And my, you know, my watch. 15 minutes off. And clocking would never be off. So this happens during zero hour. So time is out of whack. Uh, they break uh, glass open and then it's intact, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, and then the guard enters and shoots the time commander who collapses. And then the Lord of Time shows up, he's a Justice League villain, having escaped the year 1 billion AD, which no longer exists. Yeah. In fact, all that does exist, he says, is the now. Time's been eaten up at both ends. Younger versions of the villains show up to steal a synchro suit. As the Lord of Time ex explains, the Time Commander's condition may be responsible for at least the local time loop. Future versions of the villains, already outfitted with synchro suits, show up to finish off the Time Commander. Fighting ensues because no one knows if his death will mean that time will be restructured. And if it is, 
will they still be a part of history? The present-day Time Commander uh, finally dies, and his last words are about the magic sand in his hourglass. Kronos convinces the younger Time Commander to smash his hourglass, assuming that that's what will fix time. He does, and then a wave of white destroys all of reality. The wave of white will be just like the polarized images that we had in uh, the Gene Bomb oh, wow. event. We're going to see a lot of white pages uh, well, later that's, on. That's also uh, a little wink at Crisis on Infinite Earth. True. That's right. That wave of antimatter yeah. heating up the Earth. So it was all white. Crisis, crisis, crisis. Crisis, yeah. Um, it's not clear at this point if breaking the, the, the hourglass... This is, an, this is a really a side story uh, that they put... Oh, there's time stuff going on. Let's put all the time villains together for fun. Yeah. Um, because these guys don't really have any kind of connection to one another. Unless they're a club and we don't know about it. They're, they're like a rogues gallery, like Flash's yeah. rogues. Yeah. They're in a club. But you know what? I really did enjoy that story. Okay. Just because of these things... Like all the all the time guys together? Yeah, yeah, I can see yeah. that happening. And they're all looking for the synchro suit, which seems like something that time crooks would need to. Because I wonder if, if time has been going out of whack. They noticed. I know, like a couple of these guys just have a gimmick. They're not really, you know, temporal. Well, I don't. They're think... not working on a temporal plane. No, I don't think Calendar Man is. Ta- isn't... Calendar Man and Clock King are punctual. They're punctual. They're that's, very... that's their power. <laughs> They're on time. <laughs> yeah. Kronos has done some real-time travel, although for the most part his career has been using gimmicks, yeah. like technology that looks like clocks. But uh, And Time Commander is the big, powerful one. But his, they say here that his hourglass has been broken, that he doesn't have his powers that he normally does, which, which is probably why he's slumming with these jerks. So the synchro suit, if there's time shenanigans and they notice because they're experts, then our synchro suit, does that mean like those suits would have been ways to just survive whatever temporal, like let's synchronize with the timeline so that we, we cannot be destroyed. There are some villains here that do have the synchro suits, the future yeah. versions of themselves. So does that ensure that they will survive to the next version of the DCU? This is the stuff that was going through my mind. Very out there. The way I figured it, is that the synchro suits gets them out of the these anomalies. Because the comic, I really like how it's punctuated by... We have the same panels mm. repeating, but with different text. Like you change the background or yeah. you change the text, yeah. It's repeating, It's but it's not always the same. So it's like we're looking through multiple times of multiple universes or realities. And, and it's really weird and kind of fun. And I was thinking maybe that synchro suits, they just take these people or these time crooks take them out of time temporarily a bit like the linear men can do mm-hmm. you know they just walk let's go outside out the of, time stream yeah so we can look at reality re-enter it exactly so i'm i was thinking that probably that's what the synchro suit does it synchronizes you with time or it takes you out of sync but you can observe it mm. that's what i figured but i don't know because either way they could have saved their their hides yeah except they're stuck in a time loop and they don't know how to use the synchro suits. They have Maybe no the idea. Ver- the, the future versions. But the synchro suits are very 90s. You like those? I don't like those. Okay. They're just very 90s. They like oh, they, 90s. They look like a mix between steampunk and cyberpunk and and. Oh, it's in this one that Kestrel shows up. Yeah, is it? Uh, yeah, it's in that that last one. See, that's yeah, that, that made me think a lot. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, Kestrel's in there. Yeah, no, you're right. They're, they're like playing some, they let people play with the wrong toys because now it confuses the issue about Hawk and Dove. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. that's my thing. I, I really enjoyed that little, that last part, that yeah. last. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure the story makes sense. I don't think it does. 
But, <laughs> but um, it, I think it's a fun grouping. I enjoy seeing obscure characters co- make a comeback yeah. uh, in stories. And then, you know, like thematically, it's consistent. They're kind of funny. You know, yeah. they're interplay. They're goofy. They're yeah. just goofy. This is just another temporal anomaly that they get out. Well, they get out of it just as that wave of white comes in and yeah. wipes out history. So that's the kind of the stakes. It's like, oh, we're looking at this out of order and thinking there's like a major event happening that real heroes, actual heroes, will have to, to manage uh, that these morts can't well, possibly. Exactly. But I, I really like them because it's relatable. A bunch of goofy characters trying to do something. Well, I like this subgenre. The Injustice League mm-hmm. had their own stories, you know, had like at least just League Antarctica. What is it? Uh, what is the Spider-Man series? The, um, the Sinister Foes of Spider-Man. Spider-Man's morts. Get together, shenanigans. Yeah. I love that series. You know, Secret Six is kind of like this as well. You yeah. know, you put some villains together that are, they're the guys that you beat up in the first couple pages yeah. before the title shows up. Yeah. You know? and, and, and these things make them cool. Yeah, yeah. They're like real people all of a sudden because you give them stories as villains against heroes. They're easily beat up. They're one shot guys. Yeah. But as, as protagonists. Suddenly, it's like they're very flawed. They're, you know, they're. Yeah. Why are they still in this game? What did they, you know? It's like watching like a con man movie or something. Yeah. That kind of stuff. So we like heists. We like these kinds of villain books or stories work for that reason. Yeah, yeah, and it's the same kind of genius behind. Uh, I mean, genius is a big word. That movie, uh, Logan Lucky, knuckleheads, knuckleheads try to yep. rob NASCAR. <laughs> right. And this is the whole premise. And it's adorable, and you know it works. Look at the the, the, the works of the Cohen brothers. Yeah. It's always like stupid criminals, <laughs> and we're following them, and it's enjoyable. And we do we want we want them to fail uh, because it's more entertaining that way. Yeah. But we also feel for them. Super interesting characters. Oh yeah, big time. So the same is true here, you know. Uh, and this is how you do villain stories, hmm. I think, yeah. when they're extremely flawed. You know, Suicide Squad was full of morts. Oh yeah, so, well, yeah, know? that's that's the how did. Morts like Deadshot and Captain Boomerang become some of DC's favorite characters. That's how you do it. Yeah, you do it from their perspective. So this is a little corner of that. The way we're talking about it, I, I kind of wish there were more to this. That it wasn't just like that one last story. Yeah. Uh, that last story was is zero hour, but that we would have gotten like a multi-chapter story, which Showcase evidently did. Uh, at least a couple chapters, just to build up the dynamic and maybe see them plan the heist or something. Yeah. Or we'll take a short break? Yeah, let's take a break. Yeah, let's take a break. And uh, when we return, we'll look at Zero Hour House Ads <gasps> and maybe even a little uh, early feedback uh, for the show. Hey there, everyone. It's your old buddy Head. You know, Aaron Moss over at the Head Speaks Podcast. I'm still here, and so is my podcast. Starting in November, and for however many months it takes, we're going to put the Atom aside for a little while, and we're going to look at DC Comics Armageddon 2001 crossover. Join me and some of my other podcasting and internet friends as we take a look at, well, Armageddon 2001. A hero today becomes a villain tomorrow. Join us. And find out who on the Headcast Network, Armageddon 2001, along with a lot of my usual segments. Come check us out. Available at head.headspeaks.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else you find your podcasts at. Come 
Check us out. We're back. We're looking at some promotional materials for Zero Hour. Yeah. But not all of them. No. Uh, I think some of these are way too spoilery for us <laughs> to see <laughs> them yet. Uh, in particular, the Wizard Magazine article, the previews insert, or the 15-minute video produced by DC about the event. Oh, wow. Um, we will get to those later, I promise. But for now, we're just looking at house ads that you might have found in your comics leading up to the cover date, September 1994, when the event actually occurs. As with uh, images from the stories we discussed... You can find these at the image gallery at firedwaterpodcast.com. Well, so the first ad they ran, sometime before they decided on the graphics for the series, is a pinkish red page with a different logo and just a doomsday clock. Because, you know, DC, we recycle events. <laughs> it says, the countdown has begun, be prepared. Would yeah. this have teased you at all? Well, it's very reminiscent. Remin- it kind of looks like... Uh, <laughs> it it, it reminds you of something. Yeah, doesn't? it reminds me of the Doomsday Clock. Yeah. So the Watchmen. Yeah, because they're doing the... Well, the doom, yeah, the Doomsday Clock is how many minutes to the world's destruction. That's, that's what it is. Right, we're about a minute right now. We're about 20 seconds from... Oh, we're the there. End. We're there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think the hot pink is not great. The original Zero Hour logo, if that was what they were going to go for, which just has the two O's have a dot in them, and that's it. Otherwise, it's copper plate font. They're saying it's begun, be prepared, but they have no idea what they're doing. They haven't designed any titles yet. I don't know why you would run this at this point. Uh, well, it's a, it's a teaser. It's a teaser. Okay. How do you prepare for a Zero Hour? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, um, save your money. I guess, but there's... You're going to buy more comics. But Okay, yeah. It really didn't touch my curiosity or spirits or intrigued. Hot pink. I don't really like the color pink because okay. I, I love the color red. And to me, pink is like a chewed down, sunburnt, ugly, <laughs> discorded red. Maybe they did better with the next... Because there's a series of five ads yeah. uh, with the Zero Hour logo coming at you ever closer. It's super, mm. you know, it's really in the back. And it's like running over like a landscape, like a cracked earth, stormy sky kind of landscape. Yeah. And then Zero Hour comes closer and closer and it says the end of today underneath as a tagline. And I guess week to week when you'd open your, your comics, it'd be closer and closer and closer if you read them in the right order. So what do you think of these? Um, and the new logo... Well, it's basically the same thing. They added, what's these little thingies at the end of the letters? These, you know, these little, I don't know what's, what these things are called. Like, uh. The stuff that Time, Times New Roman has, but, um. Yeah. Ariel doesn't. Yeah, exactly. These little, these little <laughs> thingies, little, these little like tails little, yeah. at the end of, of the, the pointy right. things. Well, they added that. The dot is still inside the zero, just one of them explodes. Is it like serifs? Is that what, that, what it is? I think it's serifs. The serif. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. so serifs, I guess. Serifs, yeah. Uh, so they added serifs. They pressed the bold button. And uh, basically, the dots are still in the zeros. One of them is exploding, and the other one is like, uh, I don't know, targeting type thing. Mm-hmm. But it's basically the same thing. 3D, of course. Yeah, yeah. And they, they put a bit of perspective in it. It's still zero hour exactly the same. So logo-wise, yeah, I don't know. I think I would have liked to... 
I don't know, sea clock or a hourglass or something that represents time, but nothing in here represents time. Yeah, I don't time. know what the crosshairs is all about. I don't know. And then when it's coming across a landscape, which is looks like, um, you know, 90s CG. Yeah. Kind of. Dried mud. Yeah. It's dried mud with mountains in the back. Yeah, so it, ha- it relates to nothing. No. But, uh, and it's floating because there's a shadow to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's hiding the sun. So it's meant to be, and then it gets stormier and stormier. Yeah. I like, it's a good concept for a series yeah, of ads. And, I mean, somebody discovered Photoshop in this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they ha- they have these little, uh, what's it called? The, the lighting. Yeah, uh, yeah, the flares. The lighting flares that, you know, was mm-hmm. a filter in Photoshop. And yep. the clouds coming in because, you know, that's sinister. But, but it's very generic. It's very generic. We don't know anything about this. Uh, then they also had... Uh, Daily Planet Extra on the DC Universe news page. Yeah. I couldn't find it bigger than this. So it's very small to read. I, I went through all my boxes and um, <laughs> took out... It's like, okay, well, all the comics from th- that era. But, you know, comics come out monthly, but they were doing different ads based on the week. Okay. And then depending on the format of the book, how much it costs kind of thing, you would not necessarily have the same ads. So I tried to look for a bigger version of this, which I found online, which is too small to read, except it looks like a newspaper. And you can just read the headlines, which says, Zero hour for Earth? Superman says crisis in time averted. So maybe explains strange phenomenon. So this is after maybe. So I still have to dig up some different boxes maybe. If uh, if I can find a better copy. We'll, yeah. we'll see if there's more content on there and talk about it in a later episode. So there's also a DC Universe page. It's numbered 19. I don't know if these were numbered. As Zero Hour approaches, it plays with time anomalies by stating various things about the event. And some are true, and some are complete nonsense. And some of them happen in the New 52. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it says, like, Barbara Gordon becomes bad girl again. Meanwhile, Azrael assumes the identity of Oracle, setting the stage for Oracle Fall, Oracle the Crusade, Oracle Quest, and Oracle's End, which obviously is a joke about knights. Yeah. Quest, knights, fall, everything. Um, so that one's not true, but will Barbara Gordon become bad girl again? <gasps> Timey wimey, you know. Timey-wimey. So it's it's stuff like that. Usually it's jokes, and the ones that aren't jokes are probably true. <laughs> and some of them are just saying different things about the same people. Phase regains her memory and returns to the 30th century, or Phase returns to the 30th century, but does it regain her memory? We don't know. Okay. There's a Captain Carrot and his amazing Kazoo Crew joke in there, the return to save the day, yeah. which is not true, uh, sadly. There's a joke about the uh, editor, Mike Carlin, is revealed to be the main villain of Zero Hour, so it sort of presages uh, Dan DiDio's status as a villain in the DCU, mm-hmm. uh, according to the Ambush Bug comics. It's also got stuff like, um, maybe more relevant to this particular episode, Damages Real Parents, Hawk and Dove? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, at this point, uh, Damage is like a new hero. We don't know who his parents are. And, well, if it's Hawk and Dove, well, then it ties into this series. I don't think it's Hawk and Dove. Oh, early on, his real parents, Libby Lawrence and Dan the Dynamite. Uh, real parents, the Human Bomb and Phantom Lady. So they're teasing <laughs> all sorts just to confuse the issue, but probably at least one of these parents is real. <laughs> <laughs> and they're name-dropping everybody. Yeah, you got to get people into it and say, oh, okay, my favorite character is part of this uh, crossover. By name-dropping, are they actually uh, recreating the multiverse as it was before Crisis on Infinite Earths? Uh, in the sense that there is a, uh, you know, a return of the Insect Queen. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Turtle Boy Unlimited. It's like it's referring to past continuities because some of this is actually going to happen. We're going to get other continuities crashing into the post-crisis world as part of the time travel shenanigans. So this ad was like a fun little read. 
that they threw in there. There are also house ads for zero month, which follows zero hour, and which we will cover. Uh, but because it occurs later, we'll talk about those on a different episode. Oh, yeah, we'll do that later. In due time. And now... Letters lost in time! Letters lost in time! So prior to this episode, we recorded a bridge episode between our previous show, um, First Strike, the Invasion podcast, and this one, Zero Hour Strikes, about a character born in the ashes of Invasion, Valor, who is most definitely a time anomaly, uh, and so leads to Zero Hour. Uh, On this, Paul Hicks says, Valor was a weird series. It always seemed somewhat lesser than his Legion acronym stint before it. I curated most of it out of my collection, except for the first six, which culminated in a letter of mine appearing. So if you want to see what Paul Hicks had to say, raid those back issue bins. Find that Valor number six. Chris Franklin has this to say. He says, thanks for covering this. I have always had a fondness for Monel, but trying to keep up with the convoluted revamps gave me a headache. And it still does, but at least I know the cause of it. Looking forward to Zero Hours. Some great comics came out of that, and the series was very exciting at the time, even if there was a lot in it I didn't care for. Tim Price says, thanks guys. The countdown begins. Needle scratch. Nope, that's a different series. What is it? Because... <laughs> They use that as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll just see you in the zero hour. And uh, Chris Lewis goes, any show that starts with an audio clip from the Invasion of Time, the Doctor Who episode, is all right in my book. Will you be featuring time travel references to the start of zero hour shows, just as you had sci-fi invasion story clips to open each invasion podcast? If so, I look forward to identifying plenty of Doctor Who stories going forward. Uh, That is a good backup plan. Doctor Who, but I'm trying to, as you saw, I'll be doing different time travel movies, clips yeah. from time travel movies. We'll open this show every time. And there are plenty. Oh, uh, man. I'm a big fan of time travel movies. Yeah. And if you ever, you know, you're like, hmm, which time travel movie can I use? Well, they just spill out all of them in uh, Avengers Endgame. So you just go in there and say, oh, yeah, that's right. We can use that one. <laughs> use the clips from Endgame to, when they talk about other movies. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, Ward Hill Terry wants to talk about the lead issue. Ooh. You know how Valor is allergic to lead. And we did make, we did say it didn't really make sense that, that just there's lead. And you just, just feel weak because lead is not a radiating no, metal. Exactly. He says, when Monel debuted, there was a lot of lead in the air in the U.S. and Canada, I expect. Air pollution doesn't respect borders, sorry. Gasoline manufacturers were routinely and needlessly adding lead to their product. I won't link to any articles or documentaries about it, but the story is pretty horrifying. After the U.S. government instituted air quality regulations, air pollution was drastically decreased. There is not nearly as much lead in the air as there used to be. So regarding our fictional friend, that makes him even more of an anachronism than his demeanor does. If DC wants to continue to have Monel and whatever Legion revivals are to come, the character would have to be completely reimagined. Maybe he could be affected by the high CO2 levels on 21st century Earth. So it made sense at the time when he was created that he sort of got weak on Earth because there is lead in the air in yeah. the 60s. So he could just be allergic to... Right. Maybe he's Captain Planet. Yeah. Well, he no. sort of is. Yeah. Cedar Worlds and, uh, <laughs> you know, he's got that connection, but he's got a sensitivity. Yeah. And, <laughs> and sure. I mean, lead is very dangerous. Yes. It's, it's a poison. Yeah. But the, it just seemed weird that just being close to lead, but there was so much lead in the, I mean, th- that's what the writers were thinking about. Yeah. Probably at that time. Thank you, Ward Hill Terry. Uh, now on this particular feed, Zero Hour Strikes, uh, unless you're listening to the all-purpose, all-encompassing Fire and Water feed, uh, but there is a feed specific to Zero Hour Strikes. We released our promo a few months ago, and I got a few comments as well. Ooh. Joe W. Tonello says, Zero Hour? 
But that means Jack is coming. And he's referring to Jack Knight, Starman. Uh, so if you like Starman, Joe, uh, be sure to scour the Supermates podcast on this very network for Chris and Cindy's coverage of the series. Uh, they got pretty far into it. Mark Baker Wright and Sean Corey are looking forward to the show. Hope you're listening. Chad Bokelman says, can't wait to, for this to finally fix the Hawkman, Hawkgirl timelines. <laughs> That's going to be such a relief. Oh, and this is the origin of Power Girl's baby. That went so many impactful places in the DCU. The repercussions are still being felt today. I can't wait to see how it all turns out. It's possibly sarcastic. I, it sounds kind of sarcastic. <laughs> Bradley Null says, isn't this what happens to the future when dream becomes new dream? Never mind my headcanon probably won't be covered. He basically thinks Zero Hour was boring and looks forward to us making it interesting. Uh, but he's referring to the, the last chapter of Sandman, of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Okay. Dream is sort of replaced. The DCU is sort of replaced. So it's an interesting fan theory. I've never heard of it. I will look into it because I'm enjoying it. Hmm. Melvin Moss says, can't wait for this show. I remember enjoying Zero Hour when it came out. True, it had its problems, but overall it was enjoyable. So there are fans out there. It's yeah. not just naysayers. Well, I think every crisis has fans because crises are fun. Sometimes they, they mess up continuity. Sometimes Which is they, why they have anti-fans as well. Yeah. I mean, it all balances out. Like, I think Crisis on Infinite Earths is way overrated. Well, it's every character of every comic book you ever read. I like I mean, that. But I found the story super opaque when I was a kid, you know? Like, yeah. I just, what, what's happening in this? It, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to take in. And Brian Rosen really wants us to mention DC's upcoming Zero Hour Omnibus comes out in uh, end of October. Mm. Uh, so that's like 125 bucks. Yeah. Every Zero Hour related comic and we're, image ever. We're actually waiting for DC Comics to send us one each. <laughs> Just because I'm, I'm not buying an omnibus. Because I'm not buying an omnibus. No. It's too big. I don't have that. You know. I, I can't carry it out of the shop. I, I've seen these Omni buy. I don't, I don't have the upper body strength to do this. I, I don't own a car, so I have to walk. <laughs> I think. You'll have to ride the omnibus. Well, our comic book shop is at least, mm, I'm going to say at least 30 minutes oh, walk, yeah. if not more. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe 40. I can't bring an omnibus no. home. You'll have to take a break and, right. you know, well, uh, can't do that. Bring maybe a little cart and a snack. So. You know, DC Comics. Oh, put, they should put wheels on them and a handle, just like <laughs> so you yeah. can just carry them like uh, luggage. Because we will make it interesting. I mean, <laughs> we can't not make it interesting. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we go, we have to mention that the Fire and Water Podcast Network now has a Patreon page. Ooh, zero hour strikes might only account for a fraction of them, but between all the shows on the network. There are well over a thousand episodes being hosted oh, yeah. on our site. That costs money to host, and the network founders were content for the first three years of operation, you know, to foot the bill ourselves. But it's now become a little too expensive. So if you like our content, please think about making a one-time or a monthly donation, the amount of which will allow you to unlock rewards and for us to keep hosting these shows. Uh, it's at patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. It's pretty easy to remember. Yeah. Remember that FW Podcasts, because that's also the hashtag we're going to invite you to. <laughs> yeah. And that's also the, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. So you can leave us comments at fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can follow the Fire and Water Facebook page or on Twitter. The account name is FW Podcasts. We have a sign off for this? It's like... I We don't have a sign off yet. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What's the sign off? I don't know. TikTok. <laughs> We gotta go. Uh, yeah, we sort of like, we should do like, oh, oh no, oh shit. Oh, oh well, we let's, might just, as well... let's just rip off Ryan Daly and uh, Midnight. Oh, bing bong. Uh, no, it's, uh... it's it's so timey-wimey. It's so crazy. Maybe we should have like the the, the hair or the, 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 the Mad Hatter 
from uh, uh, Lewis Carroll's uh, Alice in Wonderland. Just have that that clock. Yeah. Ooh, what time is it? Ooh, yeah. Wow. So. Uh, oh, we gotta go. It's uh, it's midnight. It's tea time. <laughs> Welcome to the episode. <laughs> okay. Yo, whoa. <laughs> oh, let's make it time. It's, it's, a, it's a loop. It's a loop. All right. So uh, talk to you later, guys. Next time on Zero Hour Strikes, Batman history gone wild.